You're listening to episode 19, na 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 19, of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender Podcast. Hasecker, the host of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast, and thank you so much for joining today. Now, we've uh, got a fairly short uh, episode today, but uh, we've got a few segments, though, for you to listen to, and instead of me uh, rambling on for a few minutes before we get started, why don't we just go ahead and get started now? Segment one, why you probably need a high-pass filter. This segment, I want to talk with you about high-pass filters. Uh, for the last uh, few weeks or so, I've taken some time off playing at my Sunday church, mostly because of some uh, hearing issues. I've been having a lot of ringing in my ears after service, and a lot of that not so much has to do, well, it does have to do to some part with stage volume. Uh, that definitely plays into it, but I think more so low-frequency issues. I've, uh, I, I think that the low-frequency at my Sunday church has, has been bothering my ears and so I've been wanting to get a high-pass filter actually I you know I've always used a high-pass filter when recording at home but I've never had a physical uh, high-pass unit on my pedal board it's always been software on my computer I've always kind of relied on the sound person at church to, to put the high-pass filter on and <laughs> to be honest, I, I don't think that's ever happened. So I don't want to go back to church without uh, having a, a high pass filter in tow with me. So I decided to, uh, I was going to, I finally would pull the trigger on getting one. Um, I was originally thinking about getting the, I don't know how you pronounce it. Is it Broughton Audio? Bro, Bro, Broughton uh, Audio? Anyway, they're a custom builder and they're well known for, for making high pass filters. A lot of bass players use their high pass filters. But uh, I was almost ready to buy one, but then I was like, I also really want a new preamp. And so I ended up buying the Mesa Subway Plus base preamp because it's got a built-in high-pass filter. So I was kind of killing two birds, one stone. Spend a little bit more than I wanted to spend, but uh, I think it'll be a better investment in the long run. And it's a really great unit. I'm sure I'll definitely do, a, a, do an overview of it in another segment. But for right now, for this segment, really want to focus on high high-pass filters. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a song with uh, a bass line, of course, and uh, I'm going to have the play the song both with the high-pass filter and without it and kind of show you how it's useful and why you would want to use it when playing out live in church. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a song. It's got it's some pre-recorded tracks from a song that I'm sure you'll be familiar with when you hear it. And these are studio tracks that somebody else created. And I just took out the bass line, put in my bass line so that you could hear the bass line unprocessed, nothing applied to it. And then I could, that way I could show you what it sounds like when I apply the high pass filter to the bass line. So I'll go ahead and play the song. And this is without anything, any processing on the bass um, so that you'll hear it raw before I apply the high pass. Turn the bass up a little bit, just so it's a little louder and everything else. 
right, so this is without the uh, high-pass filter. And that's soloed out. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to start applying the high-pass filter. What you're going to hear, I'm going to extremes now. It's cutting more and more of the low end out of the out of the uh, signal here. But what's the key here is you want to bring it to an area where it's cutting out that low rumble, but it's still giving you the low bottom end. Because basically all the high pass filter is, is it's just a, uh, it's just a, uh, an EQ with an extreme uh, cut at a certain point, either it's, that's where you get the, the term high pass filter is anything over that particular frequency, it's letting through anything below that particular frequency, it's cutting off, hence the name high pass filter. So you're probably thinking, you know, if you're playing bass, why would I want high pass filter? It, it, it makes it sound like it's something for the high end, but really it's just cutting anything below a low frequency that you set. And so right now, I'm going to turn it back to uh, go back to towards the beginning of the song and I'll put the whole band in and then I'm going to add the the high pass filter in as the track is playing and you'll be able to hear the track, the bass track kind of clean up as I apply more of the high pass filter. So basically when it's off, it's, it's off and when it starts coming in is right at 20 uh, hertz and then I'll bring it up to about 120 hertz is where I'll end that end up at because that seems to be the spot in this particular song where it really cleans up nicely while still allowing the the bass to, to really kind of groove so here we go so again this is off up to about 20 now about 70 now, about 120 now, actually it's right at 130, now it's about 120, now I'm going to take it off, put it back on, I should probably note also that if you're listening on, on a phone speaker, you're probably not going to hear any difference whatsoever. So obviously you want to be listening to this on a good pair of speakers to actually hear what's going on or a pair of headphones. Um, but as you can see, the it's, it's a very subtle thing. You're probably thinking, you know, this isn't like some major thing where you hear a difference in the baseline. You really shouldn't hear a, ba a difference in the baseline. All you're doing is you're cleaning up all of those low frequencies. Just, just that just adds mud to the sound. And by cleaning that up, it just makes the the bass just pop a whole lot better. But you don't want to cut it too high because you obviously don't want to cut out that that nice low end that you have. So finding the right spot tends to be uh, you got to kind of play with it a little bit. And recording, I tend to uh, sometimes I go a little bit higher depending on the song. In this case, it's, I'm cutting anything under 120 hertz. 
Uh, whereas when you're playing live, you might not have it that high. You might have it a little bit lower. Um, I tend to run anywhere from about uh, 70 uh, to about uh, 100 to 120 uh, on recordings. And I just now, since I just got the, uh, the uh, high pass filter to use for live use, it's, uh, I've found that probably around 100 hertz uh, for at least for the church that I tried it out on Wednesday, uh, seemed to seem to be a good fit at that spot. It'll probably be a different setting at my Sunday church when I return this Sunday to uh, give it a try. But anyway, a high pass filter is a great thing. Highly recommend it because it really can clean up your sound. I know you're probably having a hard time hearing it on that recording, and but if you listen really closely, you can hear that some of that mud gets cleaned up when you apply the high pass filter and it helps your speakers to perform better if you're playing through an amp. If you're not playing through an amp, if you're playing direct like I do, direct into the board uh, from your pedal board, then it's going to help the speaker system, the PA speaker system, to be able to reproduce your bass a whole lot better without having all that low frequency to just to confuse the drivers and, and make them work harder to, to get the, you know, to make them work the way they need to work. I know I'm, I'm, it's hard for me to really describe the, the science that's involved with the high pass filter. Um, but it really cleans up the, the sound and it makes the speakers work a whole lot better, more efficiently, cleans up the mix. Um, really, it's ideally to have a high pass filter on all of the, the instrument tracks that you have. Uh, it'd be nice to have it on a kick drum track, especially. Um, even vocalists should have it on their, their, their channel as well, because really even most mics already have a built-in high pass filter of some sort. It's usually called like a low cut switch on there. That's doing the same general thing. So high pass filter, definitely give it a try. I recommend it. And uh, like I said, Bright Broughton, I wish I could pronounce it. It's B-R-O-U-G-H-T-O-N, I believe. Broughton Audio uh, makes high pass filters. And if you just want a single unit and that's all it does is a high pass filter, or you can look for high pass filters that are built into uh, a certain amount of preamps that are on the market. Not all of them by any means. It's actually more of a minority that have high pass filters built in, but they do exist like the Subway Plus bass preamp that I just got. Also, you will find them occasionally on bass amps now too. So high pass filter, check it out. Segment two, be American, buy American, unless you're not American, but we still want you to buy our stuff. All right, so I am living in the United States of America, so obviously I want to support my home country. And uh, also right now, and as I record this, we're still in the middle of a supply chain issue in this country where stuff being shipped from overseas is being stuck in uh, Alden Sea waiting to come in the port so that they can del deliver all the goods that are on those ships. And so it's just, uh, it's just kind of a crazy time right now. But um, since I like supporting American companies anyway, when I purchased this new Mesa Subway Plus base preamp, one of the things that uh, I realized about it, um, hey, it's built in the USA. So that's uh, cool to me as a US citizen. 
And in addition to supporting an American company with American workers that are building it, I'm realizing, hey, maybe that's why when I purchased it, it only took a few days to get it when I purchased it online. And that's probably because since it didn't have to ship from overseas, it uh, didn't, ha it didn't, you know, it took that chain out of the uh, supply chain link, uh, or just took that, what, how the way to phrase that? It took that link out of the supply chain. Is that uh, the way to phrase that? Anyway, you know what I'm trying to say. It's one less step that it had to go through and getting to me when placing the order. Well, and of course, I know you're thinking, I don't, I'm no expert, I'm a musician. I'm no expert on, on economics and, and supplies and chains and all that other stuff. So I'm sure you, you know, you're dealing with inventory. It's not like when you place the order, it's now having to be shipped from overseas. But if, if companies are having a hard time, music stores are having a hard time getting their equipment in inventory, then even if you place the order, then it's still, if it's not in inventory, it's still gotta be shipped from overseas. So anyway, what I'm trying to say is that, hey, this Christmas season, when you're looking to buy some equipment for yourself or, or for other musicians that you know, maybe you might wanna look into some American-made companies and purchase those products, because again, you're supporting your home country and you're also possibly minimizing the shipment times that seem to be really ridiculous right now. And so it got me thinking about some other companies that make musical equipment that are that are also US based. You know, I just mentioned Mesa Engineering, also known as Mesa Boogie. Um, that, that's kind of a question. Why is it sometimes they're marketed under Mesa, sometimes they're marketed under Mesa Boogie? Uh, that's curious. I'd have to, I'm curious to look into that. Anyway, so Mesa is one company. I've also, I'm looking on my pedal board here and I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty happy to say that all three of the pedals that are on this uh, pedal board are all US made pedals. So I've got the Mesa, which surprisingly actually fits it's a very big preamp, but it actually fits on this little Pedal Train Nano Plus pedal board that I have. It's a little big on it, but it does fit. Um, I also got Westminster, Westminster Effects compressor on this uh, pedal board. And if you're not familiar with Westminster, uh, they are, I did a, a, a interview with the owner of that company uh, a number of podcast episodes back. They're a Christian-based company and they make their products by hand here in the country and so you might want to check them out so i've got a compressor from westminster effects i've also got a battalion bass overdrive pedal made by electro harmonix which is made here in the states as well and then some other companies obviously we're all familiar with american-made fender fender guitars and basses we're familiar with gibson uh, instruments uh, gnl uh, Rickenbacker, uh, Kiesel, there's a number of uh, companies that make American uh, instruments, Lakeland's another one I can think of, uh, MTD, Sadowski uh, is made here in the, well, they've got American made bases. Um, of course, a lot of these companies have their lower cost models that are made overseas, but all of these ones that I'm mentioning have US made instruments, Music Man's another. So there's a lot out there that are, are made in the US. You've got Moog, if you're needing some synth bass, then you've got Moog uh, instruments are all made here in the US. So just uh, something to think about when you're, you're doing your shopping is to uh, see what the country of origin is for the product you're buying, because uh, maybe that'll help it to be in stock. And at the same time, again, if you're here in the States like me, it'll allow you to uh, support a US-based company.
Segment 3, Worship Team Onboarding. When I'm putting together a podcast, I, a lot of times I'll get ideas uh, specifically from TalkBase.com. If you're not familiar with TalkBase, it's an online forum for bass players. And there's a particular group on TalkBase that I'm a part of, and uh, it's called the Praise and Worship Bass Group Player. Oh my gosh, I keep getting the name wrong. Praise and Worship, ba- Praise and Worship Bass Band basis group or something like that anyway if you do if you do a search on it you'll 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 find it just praise and worship and you'll come across the uh the group because it's a very active group so uh it's got thousands and thousands of of pages of of uh of activity there so uh you'll you'll surely find it and i highly recommend it if you're a bass player on a worship team because it's a, a good resource a good resource for information and it's also a good group of people that contribute to that thread so uh yeah so anyway i one of the recent threads that's been on their conversations on it has been about who is should be allowed to perform with a worship team i think a lot of it has to do with onboarding really not meaning that um uh, you know there's certain people well yeah i guess uh, well here here let me explain it so um so say for example each church has their different has their own way of onboarding people for a worship team and for some it might just be oh hey you play hey great come on and and join us it's like really you know informal and quick and easy to to get on a worship team with some churches other churches it's like oh hey okay so first you got to become a member and then you have to to come to you know 25 rehearsals and then you've got to do this and that and so it's like a it takes forever to actually get on the uh, get on a team so you've got these two different extremes and then you've got everything in between and so there's a lot of discussion about whether one way is the right way versus the other and of course it all comes down to church culture too and what's right for that particular church but there's some good points that uh, have been made and for example like I do believe myself I do believe that there should be an onboarding process where it's not automatic oh hey you play bass okay join the team Um, yeah there should be making sure that that person that's serving is uh, they're in correct uh, fellowship with uh, Christ you don't want somebody that's you know blatantly out there doing things that uh, that's against you know what your church believes and and what uh, Christ would want you doing um, so there should be some onboarding making sure you know that person you and you're uh, vetting them to a certain degree but also that um, you know you you know I think having them show up at a few rehearsals just to get familiar for each side to get familiar with each other is a good thing but not make it too laborious of a process our church does require a membership with the church in order to be on the worship team and i don't disagree with that at all but at the same time the point that uh somebody else made was that if you're uh, new to the church and you put up too many roadblocks to somebody to get involved you, you know hey maybe they're they're a new christian and they're they're not uh you know they, they know how to play really well but they're they really 
you know, they haven't got their work, their walk with Christ really figured out yet. And they're maybe they're not a membership. They're not a member of the church because they're not quite sure if this whole church thing is right for them. And so maybe it's a good thing to get them involved with the worship team earlier on so that you can capture that person and then help that person to grow through the worship team. You know, not necessarily making sure that they're perfect to begin with um, in order to come on to the team, because, of course, none of us are perfect. Um, so anyway, that was a good point that I think uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, so even though I agree that there should be a vetting process, I also can see the uh, the point of this as to, you know, getting people in. I think it just depends on the, the situation, really. And I think that there should be some flexibility with the church. Um, I think that point helped me to kind of realize, yeah, there should be some flexibility in addition to whatever the, the church's culture is of how things should be done. Because, you know, there there's always those exceptions that, hey, it makes sense to, to help somebody with their walk with Christ to do something a little bit different than the way the church normally does it. Uh, so anyway, I'm just, uh, I think it's a, it's a cool thing to think about. Uh, I'm wondering what, uh, every, you know, the people listen to this podcast, I'm wondering what their church, how, how their church does things. If you want to uh, contact uh, me so that uh, I can kind of find out more about how your church does things, either you can go to our Facebook page and you can put in some information there, either on the page or on the group. You can join the group if you're not part of the group. Or you can just uh, join me on TalkBase on the Praise and Worship team uh, forum that's on there because um, that's where a lot of the conversation is going on right now. But anyway, I, I really would love to hear more from others as to how their church does things because I think there could be some some cool ideas of what other people are doing that uh, I would definitely would like to share on some future podcasts. So that's another episode of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast and talking about Facebook page. I mentioned that in the last episode there or the last uh, segment and I didn't mention how you can find us on Facebook and that's facebook.com forward slash bass guitar worship blender. If you go there and uh, hook up with us there, you can also join the uh, group for the uh, the page as well. And uh, also you can find us on YouTube. I post a lot of videos on YouTube and you can go to YouTube and search for Worship Blender and you will pull up the the channel for the Worship Blender. It doesn't have bass guitar in the name, it just goes under the Worship Blender name and you'll find us there although most of the videos that I post on there tend to be bass related but it is a separate in entity from the podcast but uh, it's still very much if you like the podcast you'll definitely like the uh, the the, the YouTube channel as well thank you so much for for joining me today keep in mind I've mentioned before on another on, on an earlier episode that if you've got a interesting story that you would like to share you think it's something that other people would be interested in or if you're just uh, think that uh, you're a pretty good communicator and you'd like to, uh, to talk with me on the podcast. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, an interview. It can just be a conversation because I do like interviewing or having conversations with anybody who's a bass player on a worship team. Uh, that can just be fun to, to do. So if you're thinking, hey, I, I could I could do that. I could I could be on the uh, podcast and just talk about bass stuff. Then, hey, uh, let me know. Again, you can contact me through the Facebook page or also, well, I guess you can't 
contact me through the podcast because there's yeah there's no way to do that but so yeah just go to the facebook page and you can you can contact me there and say hey you know send me a private message just saying hey i think uh i might be interested in being on the podcast again thanks for for listening and god bless you